So please welcome to the uh, to the Fat for Weight Loss show. We have Emily, and we will get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So, Emily, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing really good. I, I, and I'm glad that we've uh, been able to schedule a time that we can both <laughs> we can both make because I've been so busy the past couple of weeks. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's really fantastic that we're, we're now here doing this. Uh, and I'm also talking to a fellow runner, which is also really cool. I find yeah. that you know, a, lot of, a lot of keto runners end up listening to this podcast. So if you're a keto runner out there and you're listening to this whilst running, I would love you to share, take a screenshot of this podcast and share it on Instagram or something, or just, you know, just let us know that you're listening to it somehow. Um, and so, I, you know, at the very start of the podcast, I love uh, hearing, you know, uh, sometimes it's a, it's a strange story or sometimes it's a funny moment that's happened in the past. Um, but, you know, for, for you, and you're now doing the ketogenic diet, but you used to be a trained pastry chef sorry you still are a trained pastry <laughs> chef and you used to work full-time in a pastry you know in a bakery or something is that right yeah I was a ba- uh, baker making cakes and birthday cakes and wedding cakes and all that fun stuff and not uh, keto <laughs> yeah I can um, imagine but so yeah so it was definitely a switch to suddenly be sugar-free and not eating all those kinds of things um, but I feel like it actually sort of has come in handy now because I have all this baking knowledge that I can apply to making keto things. So, um, so it's kind of worked out well for me. Yeah, uh, I I think um, when you you go from working with sugar and then working without sugar, it it actually it can become quite hard because there's certain things like I was making fortune cookies the other day mm-hmm. with sugar to try and figure out how to make them without sugar. And yeah. you just can't do it. You honestly can't <laughs> do it. Sugar has this thing where it's like a solid at room temperature. It's molten hot, and then you can, you you know, it's really flexible when you uh, when it cools down. Is there is there anything that you've found that you know going from pastry chef now to uh, I don't know whether you make any keto desserts or anything like that, but are there some frustrations along the way that, or maybe some helpful hints for those people use, doing that thing as well? 
there definitely are. It, like you said, it, sugar just has a different property than most of the keto sweeteners that we use. Um, and I feel like caramel is one that was um, mm. sort of a difficult transition. Um, I have learned that allulose is a pretty good substitute. It's not quite as good as sugar, but um, it does sort of have those same properties that will caramelize sort of the same way. Um, but yeah, it's definitely take some experimentation to kind of figure out how to ketify certain things because it's just there's nothing that's quite the same as sugar yeah that's right and and especially with caramel actually yeah because i had a lot of trouble with it but i found that you can actually brown the sugars inside cream to be um almost just as good or or, or even in butter so browning butter and cream Mm-hmm. You can, oh, that's, you, can that's cool. you can get like a, a caramel flavor from that, and then I just usually add erythritol. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's I'd, a great idea. Um, but yeah, no, that that browning sugar, yeah, it's it's uh, and it's always something um, that is so interesting because you know sugar has so many different properties, but there's also uh, so many other things in the ketogenic space that you know I, I guess you you sort of forget about sugar a little bit. And so going <laughs> being a, a, a baker and, and doing all those things with sugar, you'd, you'd probably um, get over it a little bit because there'd be such mass quantities of things that you, you'd sort of just go, oh, I, I, I couldn't eat another cake uh, ever. <laughs> was, was that the Definitely. case? Yeah, sometimes, especially like when I was in school and we would just be cooking so much stuff and I it would just feel like your body was like absorbing sugar and, and you just mm. never wanted to see it again so yeah, i guess that yeah. that was a good diet tip is just surround yourself with it and you, you'll be sick of it <laughs> <laughs> and and so so you transitioned into the ketogenic diet and this was around um oh i guess probably two years ago now in march 2017 is that right yeah it'll be two years this friday oh that's fantastic oh how exciting <laughs> yeah um happy two years two Thank year anniversary you. um so what was the the, the the tipping point into you know um thinking that you needed to go down the ketogenic route um and then you know what were some of the successes and mistakes that you made in that transition um i had been sort of dieting off and on for probably the previous 10 or 15 years before that um, and it was the kind of thing where I was just on that diet roller coaster. So I was either on a diet or I was totally off the wagon and eating everything in sight. <laughs> um, and it had just gotten to the point where over the years, it was like every time I'd lost weight, I then gained it back plus some. And I was at the heaviest weight I'd ever been at. Um, and I had previously been trying to work out and diet. And I just felt like my body was protesting like it just I couldn't lose weight I it I just thought I finally screwed up my metabolism like they always say dieting will do and um I just kind of was to the point where I thought I may just have to accept that I'm going to be overweight and that's going to be my life and you know it's not the worst thing in the world but it but I wasn't happy mm. and so I kind of decided just one random afternoon that I was going to give it one last ditch effort and I had I had done low carb in the past, um, and when I was like googling recipes and stuff, I kept seeing the word keto come up, mm. and I didn't quite know what it was, but I realized eventually that it was some sort of low carb, and then realized it was very low carb, and I just kind of always thought, oh, I don't know if I could do that. That sounds so restrictive, but. I was kind of at my breaking point and I just thought, I haven't tried this, let's give it a try. And I guess they say the rest is history. So it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, yeah, it's it's always interesting to, to hear how 
people go when they first um, realize that the, you know, when they do, you know, sort of delve into that ketogenic space, that all of those cravings and all those weird, um, you know, ups and downs that they previously had, had sort of go away. Uh, and I know that I've experienced that. I know that a lot of people who've been on this podcast have also experienced that. How long did it actually take for you to uh, be able to say no to sugar or, um, you know, ha- stop having those those cravings for, in, you know, the, the foods that aren't maybe so keto friendly? Um, I would say really probably within the first two weeks. I, that was sort of like the huge revelation for me with keto is that very quickly I, I just felt like it wasn't torture. I felt like I could kind of easily pass up those things that I usually craved so much that I couldn't stick with a diet. Um, and I just didn't feel that same pull to eat them. And, you know, I, I credit that to the fact that keto helps regulate your blood sugar and regulate your insulin. And so your body kind of once it realizes it's not getting that stuff, it adapts and start, starts craving the things that you actually want to be eating. Um, so I just felt like very quickly it felt like this is something that I can do long term because it didn't feel like I was torturing myself just to lose weight. Mm, yeah, and and I think that's something really important because there are so many uh, shakes and diets and you know whatnot that are out there that promote weight loss, um, <laughs> and and I I just don't think they're sustainable. So so let's talk about the sustainability for a little bit because I think that's also really important. Losing the cravings and then also uh, knowing what to do for now nearly two years. Um, so what, what did your, you know, maybe your first two weeks sort of look like? And then what does your, you know, what does your kind of keto look like now? Um, my first two weeks, I was really kind of strict about like, I didn't want to do a lot of the replacement foods. And um, I had kind of like experimented in the past when I was doing low carb with um, some of like the sugar alcohols and stuff. And I mm. kind of wanted to go in a little bit stricter in the beginning and just sort of like, Um, I guess kind of make my mind and my body forget about those sweet flavors and everything. Um, So I kept it pretty strict in the beginning and just sort of ate, you know, whole foods and, um, you know, upped the fat so that I was feeling satisfied and enjoying the stuff I was eating, but without kind of adding in all that, those keto treats that maybe now I'm a little more um, likely to include. Mm, mm, Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so being quite strict to start with uh and you know really watching what you're eating so that it doesn't trigger those same responses yeah i think that uh, a lot of people do get a, a lot of success out of that um and and i guess uh part of it and the reason why it doesn't feel restricting is because you are satisfied i guess there's a lot of other different foods and you know there's there's been research to say that you know coffee in combination with carbohydrates can just make you so wired and then so low um, yeah. that's any more than you know a- any other foods would uh, and and so um incorporating the fat was that something that was a little bit scary for you at the start or was it pretty intuitive Um, I wouldn't say it was scary. I was never somebody that like really necessarily believed the whole low fat thing. Um, But at the same time, I, you know, I counted calories in the past and I still count calories with keto. Um, So there's sort of a balance there to figure out how to get the fat in and make your uh, body feel satisfied while still, you know, restricting 
how much you're eating and your calories. Um, but for me, it, it, that was sort of the trick that made this feel less like a diet because you were able to indulge in adding cheese to your hamburger or, um, you know, putting some mayonnaise on your sandwich or not your sandwich, I guess, but whatever you're eating, um, as opposed to feeling like being so restrictive and you have to just eat, you know, grilled chicken and broccoli and that's all you get. So the fact that you could put butter on your vegetables and not feel guilty about it, um, kind of made it seem like, okay, this isn't really a diet. This is just good food that I'm getting to eat. Mm, mm, Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, and, you know, because, uh, I guess if you are someone who counts calories a lot, those high fat, um, items like olive oil and butter and, and those types of things add so many calories to your food when you're, when you're, um, tracking it so meticulously. And so did you, so when you, you say you still count calories with keto, do you use uh, an app like MyFitnessPal or Chronometer or something like that? I do. I use MyFitnessPal. I just use the free version because I don't, I've never found the need to pay for the premium. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but <laughs> but even on maintenance, yeah, I still pretty much track every day. Um, yeah. Just to kind of make sure I'm staying where I need to be. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people, and I usually recommend um, people do track at least for the first two to three weeks, mm-hmm. um, because there is a, a you know there's a, a little bit of a, a manipulation in thinking about how how much food you're actually eating because a a a, a common mistake for some people is to to completely overeat with the ketogenic diet but i do think um there is a slight metabolic advantage for the ketogenic diet that maybe can compensate for that for a little while Mm -hmm. but not forever and so um when you go you know so you've been doing the ketogenic diet now for for nearly two years Mm -hmm. um do you meal prep? Do you uh, do you have a really good idea of um, what sort of foods you'll be eating throughout the week, or do you sort of just play it a little bit by ear? How does that work for you? Um, I don't do a lot of meal prep. I work from home, so that kind of gives me some advantages about being able to use my own kitchen and not have to have everything all ready. Um, but typically, um, like I'll go to the grocery store like twice a week, and so kind of each time I go, I plan my dinners for the next couple of days. Um, but then other than that, like pretty much first thing in the morning, usually I go ahead and plan my food for the day in my fitness pal so that I know that everything's fitting into my macros. And that way I'm not going to end up at dinner and realize I only have five carbs left and I'm, <laughs> I'm a little restricted in what I can fit into that. So, right. um, yeah. so yeah, I like to plan my day ahead just so that I, I know that everything's kind of where it should be. Yeah, cool. And and for those people who are listening right now going, I don't think I could plan every single day. I don't have the time to do that sort of stuff. Um, is there is there any uh, tips or tricks for those people? Do you think um, that you might you, you know you might have picked up along the way of how to um, not not just plan but but maybe plan efficiently or or have a pretty good understanding of what you can actually get from the grocery store when you go there. Um, yeah, I think I, in the beginning, it's definitely a little overwhelming, especially like right now, you know, in my fitness belt, I have all kind of the foods that I normally eat are already in there or recipes I've already put in there. So in the beginning, it's definitely a little bit more work to kind of get everything loaded up in there. Um, but I think keeping it simple for one is, you know, you don't have to have crazy recipes with 25 different ingredients. You know, you could pick a steak and a vegetable and that's pretty easy to plug in. Um, and then I think 
you know, a lot of people are pretty happy to eat sort of the same rotation of foods. And so if you're doing that, then either it's easy to go ahead and put in the tracker or you're not even really needing to track because you already know that the amounts that are going to fit into your day and fit into your macros. Um, so I think just not overcomplicating it if that's something that isn't something that you want to incorporate into your everyday life. Keep it simple, especially in the beginning as you're learning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that is great advice, and uh, you know, keeping it simple also removes every single complication that can arise uh, due to maybe like I think when you do a little bit of research into the ketogenic diet, and then you go, oh, maybe I should be doing intermittent fasting, or maybe I should be incorporating those supplements, or whatever it is, uh, and and um, I think that you know, consistency is probably more important than trying to optimize every single angle. Is that something that you found that you were trying to optimize every single time, or did you um, have a little bit more flexibility and just know that the end game's more important to you? Yeah, I still like, you know, being on Instagram or something, you know, you'll see all these different things that different people are doing. And even now I'll go like, oh, maybe I should be doing that. Or am I doing right. it wrong? And then I have to like stop myself and go like, okay, no, I got to my goal weight. I feel great. Like, I don't need to worry too much. Yeah. Um, but it is hard because everybody's doing different things and you can feel a little overwhelmed and like you're doing everything wrong. Mm. Um, so I think, again, it's start start somewhere, start where you're comfortable, and then you can always incorporate other things later. Um, I think the intermittent fasting is a huge thing because people, there's so much talk about it that people feel like they need to do it right away. And to me, that's always been something that you shouldn't force. Um, it, I actually kind of started intermittent fasting before I even heard that term. I didn't know what it was. But um, with keto, my appetite just got so regulated that I realized um, I was pushing my first meal later and later as the weeks were going on. And I then kind of realized, like, I don't really need to be eating breakfast anymore because I'm not hungry until afternoon. Um, and then I started reading about intermittent fasting and realized it was actually a thing. And so then I put a little more effort into kind of timing everything and seeing, you know, what worked for me. But I... I think it's something that can come naturally and I don't think it's something you need to force. For me, it's always felt like kind of a bonus on top of keto. It's not a necessity. Yeah, that's, that is a great way of thinking about it. Um, and you know, intermittent fasting is great, but if you're pushing yourself into more stress, then it potentially isn't the greatest thing. And so, yeah, just, just keeping it open and, and saying, and, and also if you are, uh, someone who is following a pretty strict intermittent fasting protocol, that's fine. Um, but if you feel like one day that you wake up and you're really hungry, don't feel like you need to stick to your plan because exactly. you know, that there's 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 flexibility in every every form and um, and you know the especially with keto it's not always about weight it's more about like body recomposition as well. Absolutely. So I guess that's that's probably a pretty good um, segue into running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we've had so many runners on the podcast and, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a love-hate relationship because um, at the end of the podcast, I tend to ask people, you know, what's their favorite type of exercise and what's their least favorite. And least favorite, more often than not, is running. And so really? how did you, yeah, how, how did you come into running? How was this something that, um, you know, it, it has now become a part of your life as well? Um, it's been sort of part of my life off and on for probably 10 or 15 years at this point. Um, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with it for sure. <laughs> um, but I had a friend that was a big runner and she'd done um, a couple of half marathons and 
um, I don't know, I just kind of admired what she did, and it always seemed like something that was difficult to me, and so that made me want to try it. Um, so I started slow, and, you know, I had periods where I would be running a lot, and then I would have a year where I didn't run at all, and um, it kind of ebbed and flowed. Um, but when I started keto, as well as having a sustainable diet, I wanted to figure out a way to make exercise sustainable because I'd had mm. periods where, you know, I would drive, you know, go crazy working out seven days a week, trying to burn every last calorie I could in the gym and just totally mm. burning myself out. And I just thought I can't do this anymore. I need to find something that, um, you know, at the end of a long day of work where I'm exhausted and stressed out, what can I, what will I still be able to do and not feel like a punishment? And so I just started walking and um, I would, walk on the treadmill and sometimes I'd put some inclines, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, and then from there, as I was losing weight, I was gaining more energy with keto. I wanted to challenge myself. And so I started incorporating intervals of running and then that kind of slowly transitioned into um, more running and adding more distances and then working on speed. And it, it was a really gradual um, transition for me into kind of becoming this runner. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. And you know, starting from walking is so I I well, I love walking. I think walking is uh, one of the greatest exercises you can do because one, you get out of the house. <laughs> and if especially if you work from home a lot, it's great to actually be out of the house for, <laughs> for a while. sure. Um and uh and and so uh, but also um that transition into running it's not so hard on your joints because a lot of people what they do is they go out and they go oh, i used to run 5k's i'm going to go run a 5k and they do two of them in a week and then they busted both of their knees and then they come back and go i'm not a runner anymore <laughs> and in fact you've just like you know just stepped up your training way too quickly yeah um, and and so you were training for a half marathon and you did do a half marathon which half marathon did you do and and what was your training and what did your training sort of look like for that um, I did the Little Rock Half Marathon um, oh, yeah, cool. earlier this month. Um, I have I kind of grew up in Little Rock, so um, I had a friend that was going to be running that one, so I just thought it, it kind of made sense. It's been something that's kind of been on my bucket list, so I figured that was the right time to do it. Um, and I trained, I, I typically run uh, about four or five times a week anyway, and so kind of my adjustment was just to pick a day, which was Sunday, to be my long training run. So during the week, I would run like three or four miles at a time. And then on that Sunday, I started at six miles. And then the next week, um, I think bumped it up to eight. And then the next week did nine and then 10. And I went up to, I think I went up to 12. And then took about two weeks of like kind of tapering back and just doing about three miles. And then did the half marathon the following Sunday. Oh, awesome! Yeah, it's it's always so daunting to actually, um, uh, you know, look at the distance of a half marathon and go one marathon runners are crazy yeah <laughs> oh my and, god uh, because you have to do that again what are you nuts like uh, and then and uh and and usually for most people it's the it's the longest distance that they've ever run and and for me for my half marathon i got to the end i was like never again <laughs> is that something that you found as well or are you already signed up to the next race no i'm pretty sure i've like okay check that box i'm good but yeah. I, I mean i won't say never never say never i guess if the right opportunity came up i'd probably convince myself to do it again but 
I, it's not something I'm going to actively uh, participate in again, I don't think so. Right, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the full, the full I just have no desire for. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I think people who do half marathons and full marathons and ultras, yeah. Um, I tip my hat Props to those to them. Guys, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty brutal, especially um, uh, you know on the ketogenic diet with trying to manipulate nutrition and things like that. And so, wh- when you're running the race, a, a lot of people have this question of um, you know, did you take do you take in gels? Do you do you take water with you? Do you, do you take electrolytes? Like, what did that sort of look like for you? Um, and how would how did your race day um, play out? Um, well, yeah, people had asked me, like, you know, was I going to carve up or add anything extra? And that was definitely not going to happen. Um, so I, you know, I didn't change my diet in, in terms of that. Um, I usually fast until afternoon. And so I ran it fasted. I really prefer to run fasted. I feel like I feel a lot better if I don't um, eat before. Um, so that's what I did. And then I did, I had a water belt that I um, had used Ultima um, electrolyte powder in, uh, which is stevia sweetened. Um, and I don't even know if, how much it helps, but, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes I think it's like a mental thing to feel like you're getting something else in besides just water. Um, and then in my pack, I had brought like an F bomb macadamia nut butter pack. And I just thought just in case I need something, you know, halfway through, I'll have it. Um, and I never did use it. I, I really didn't feel like I needed anything. Um, for the most part, I felt like I had really sustained energy throughout. Um, I hit a little bit of a wall sort of like around mile 10. Um, but at least that was kind of like close enough where you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just didn't really feel like I wanted to eat anything. So I just kept going. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people hit that wall at that particular point. Yeah. On mile 10, I'm trying to think three miles is about five kilometers or five k uh-huh. from yes. the finish. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I think I probably hit a similar wall <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I did my uh, half marathon, and I think that's probably just, uh, you know, just fatigue, really. It's not so much that you have. And I think that there's this big misconception with a lot of um, people in the endurance space is that you need to carb up before the race. You need to have all these carbs with you so that when you're running, uh, you know, flat out that you suddenly don't have any energy. Um, and uh, it, it, it is something that's a little bit fleeting because once you are able to tap into your fat source, mm-hmm. then you have essentially an unlimited supply. Um, and so when you finish the race, uh, w- was there any type of... Um, did, did you do any type of cool down or was it basically just like, oh my gosh, I did it. Uh, let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It was more of like I needed to go warm up because it was very cold that morning uh, and yep. rainy. Um, and it pretty much rained the whole time, except for the 10 minutes that it was sleeting. Oh, my <laughs> so, gosh. So, yeah, I was I was cold the entire run, which you would think after 13 miles you would warm up, but it didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, I, d- I didn't really do anything specific. I, I went home and I went and got breakfast with my dad. So, <laughs> low carb, oh, of course. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bacon and eggs or something. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and oh, that, yeah, it's so good. Um, I think that uh, a, lo- a lot of people are now transitioning into um, doing endurance sports in a, in a low-carb sort of style. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some people who use, uh, you know, those macadamia nut, the fat bombs, or mm-hmm. um, 
that, you know, I used to make my own almond butter. Oh, <laughs> nice. I, well, you can't really get that sort of stuff here in Australia. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's it, it, it. I think it ends up being really expensive. I know that there was um, uh, there was someone on Instagram who suggested to me the uh, Justin's nut butters. Uh, oh, yeah. Quite good as well. Yeah. Um, but they probably don't have as much fat in them. They probably have more just the nuts, which can be kind of high carb as well, I For guess, sure. in, a, in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, no, it's 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 uh, it's really great advice to be able to go out there, do a half marathon, come back, and not have had any sugar or or any sort of you know cravings for that sort of stuff. Because I, I used to uh, run half marathons with sugar, and now mm-hmm. running full marathons without sugar, it's it's a totally different race. Um, and I, I feel like uh, you definitely have to train with it. And so there's this mis conception a lot with people that they get to maybe three weeks before the race and they say hey i'm gonna decide to go keto for this race do you oh, think no. that's a good idea <laughs> and i go mm, but i wanted to hear your thoughts on that is that something that um it, have you had anyone come up to you and say look i want to go keto but i've got a race in three weeks do you think it's possible i haven't had anybody ask me that but i would definitely tell them that didn't sound like a good idea to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i was just talking about on my instagram story yesterday about sort of when you're starting keto keto in that period before you're fat adapted um there's definitely you i definitely notice sort of a drop in energy and stamina um in my workouts and I think it takes your body a little while to kind of realize it's needing to switch its fuel source over and it's not going to get be getting that glucose anymore and it needs to switch to fat. And so I definitely wouldn't be pushing your body that early on until it's kind of adapted and realized what's going on. Mm, yeah, no, I would would 100% agree. <laughs> and for a lot of people, that time can be very different. So for, sure. for, for me, you know, that could be eight weeks. For the next person, that could be six months. Exactly. Um, and, and I guess it's probably best to do that switch in your off-season. Um, yes. If you are someone who runs a lot, I think that's probably a, a, a more sustainable way to actually get through that because generally in your off-season, you're doing lots of long runs that don't necessarily need any high-intensity um, and then uh, it, it, again, you know, everyone's uh, way of running is different. And if you need to incorporate some carbohydrates back into your runs, and I know Zach Bitter does this thing where he uh, trickles in energy as he needs it, but he's fat adapted enough to run a hundred miles without it. He, oh, he wow. just needs it sometimes for speed in certain parts and so i think that's uh, something that you know people shouldn't be too scared of either uh, i think if you're doing a half marathon that's you know you're you're trying to um, do your best in then you probably don't need it but if you're trying to win a world race of some sort then maybe it's important to incorporate some carbohydrates back into it for um, sure and yeah. i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with if you want to add you know do a little bit of carb up before to right like you said get your best pace or something like yeah. that but yeah i just definitely didn't feel the need yeah, and that's and that's so good because if you don't need it, you, you know you don't <laughs> don't don't carry. It, right. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Um, and uh, you know, so I think that uh, it, it's it's so great that uh, you have um, done all this, you know, progression with the ketogenic diet. Was there anything along the way that you decided to maybe uh, take out? dairy or maybe take out nuts or was there anything that didn't agree with you on the ketogenic diet that you've now removed or felt safe to say i don't need you anymore type thing 
Um, overall, I haven't like cut anything out and kept it that way, but I did, I've done a couple of experiments with carnivore keto. Um, I think my longest was four weeks. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I feel like my body does really well with carnivore. Um, I don't think I'm somebody that has like a major issue with vegetables, but I definitely noticed feeling a lot leaner, um, less bloated, um, just sort of felt like my entire body was just like working more efficiently when I cut the carbs out almost completely. Mm. Um, so I was pretty much just eating animal products and dairy. Um, and I, I felt really good and I was continuing to run and work out during that time. And I didn't really notice any kind of lack of energy or anything from that either. So, um, I really enjoy vegetables, so I don't think it's carnivore something I would want to do all the time, but I feel like it's sort of a tool that I have in my tool belt now that if I really want to be, you know, um, especially lean or really wanting to kind of feel optimal, then I could use that. Mm, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that because I, I, at the moment I'm going through this protocol called protein and greens. And so I haven't cut oh, okay. out the greens specifically, but um, the I, I do feel like people who are quite active or people who are runners or cyclists or whatnot, they can handle more protein than other people who can't. Um, and what I, be, what I mean by that is that if you are physically active and you're doing a lot of exercise, then um, the the additional protein that you're eating is not going to uh you know go into gluconeogenesis and start creating um havoc for your ketogenic diet right whereas some people who uh, are using the ketogenic diet as their sole way to lose weight um then that might be a problem uh, and and so it's really interesting because yeah as as someone who runs a lot and and someone who uh, for me like i go to the gym a lot now mm -hmm. i've found that the you know having just enough protein so uh, whatever it is the the your lean body mass worth of grams of protein you know there's millions of different ways how much uh, protein you can figure that out for yourself but for sure uh i've found that all of my athletic performance has gone up since doing this yeah and so maybe I, ha I wasn't eating enough protein to start with and now i'm just at a normal level <laughs> or um i don't know but but you know what were the some of the proteins that you were eating throughout your carnivore um situation was it more like uh fattier cuts of meat or was it um you know chicken breast or what what did that look like for you um, I was primarily eating fattier cuts, so uh, steak and ground beef. Um, I always laughed that it was like on carnivore, you'd have for dinner, you'd have a steak with a side of chicken or something, <laughs> because right, I yeah. still needed that variety in there. So you know, I'd kind of throw maybe <laughs> some seafood or chicken, as sort of like a side dish. But for the most part, I did want to make sure I was getting plenty of fat and um, not just sticking with leaner cuts. But I, I'm glad you brought that up because I do feel like, especially early on um, in my keto journey there was such a fear of protein and you you read so much about um how it's going to turn to sugar and how that's going to kick you out of ketosis and um that was kind of part of the reason why i wanted to experiment with um carnivore because i was hearing more about these people doing it and they were having really great results um and i continued to you know test my ketones um during my carnivore experiments and i never saw um 
it, it never felt like I was being kicked out or that my blood sugar was mm. really high because I was eating too much protein. So I've kind of like given up that worry about that. And I really don't worry about eating too much protein because I've really seen great results. And obviously uh, your mileage may vary, but um, it really worked out well for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've had the exact same experience. Um, and I've, I've experimented with both the the fattier cuts of meat and also the I'm currently in the leaner cuts of meat oh, <laughs> thing at the moment and and it's ah uh, it is actually painful because oh. you don't get enough energy from the fat in the meat um, and so what happens is that you either have to substitute that with something else or you know you end up eating a lot of protein which is kind of fulfilling but I feel like protein in combination with fat is the most sustainable way to do it Um, and so for anyone who is looking to do the carnivore diet or at least some version of that um, then I think yeah eating those fatty cuts of meat one they're cheaper (laughs) yeah Um, and and uh, and they will sustain you uh, for much longer than uh, say chicken breast will Um, and and it really comes down to uh, your your personal like protein threshold but yeah for, for a lot of people um you know that that fear of eating too much protein really isn't uh, an issue um because a lot of people don't eat enough protein anyway right um and so especially for people who are who are athletic or at least um looking to build muscle or maybe even maintain their weight uh, it's it's really ideal, but I think where the ketogenic diet comes in really handy is that when you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to maintain your you know the muscle that you've already got so you can maintain your metabolism, that's where I think um, having higher ketone levels can uh, you know ha- are actually muscle sparing, and so you're not going to lose that muscle, but you're also probably not going to add any more to it. Right. Um, so yeah, there's there's benefits on both sides and if you're trying to train for a half marathon then adding a little bit more muscle to your to your skeleton is probably not going to be a bad thing you know? exactly <laughs> and uh yeah so now that's great and um and so at the end of the podcast i really love asking a few quick rapid fire questions okay. and uh it's really interesting to hear what people have um you know in their different aspects of their life and so what i uh, th- the first question is what is your favorite keto-friendly food? Um, it's always hard to narrow it down because I love food so much. <laughs> but I think brisket is my favorite, which is funny because I was never like a barbecue fan or anything before keto. And now like I feel like I could eat brisket every night. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. So brisket's not a huge thing here in Australia. We tend to have like steak or sausages or whatnot. But, oh, okay. but uh, is do you have a particular way of cooking brisket that uh, is really delicious? Well, I wish I could cook it really well. I usually have to go out to get really good brisket, but because <laughs> if you smoke it, it's really going to give you the best flavor and right. make it the best texture. Um, so I've tried making it in like a slow cooker, but it's just not quite the same. So I, right. I'm in Texas, so that it's a good place to go out and get brisket. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think Goody Beats is also in Texas. Oh, that's Maybe. right. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, and so uh, what's your least favorite food? You know, for some people, this might be avocados. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's there's a lot of different things for people that just <laughs> they hate or despise on the ketogenic diet. Yeah, I don't think there's any, like, 
cliche keto food that I really don't like. Um, I'm not like a bulletproof coffee person. Um, I guess yeah. maybe I've had one, but to me, I don't really like to drink my calories. And so I, I just prefer to be eating real food. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely <laughs> something that is, is, you know, I, I feel like the bulletproof coffee thing starts or, you know, when people get into the ketogenic diet, they start a lot with bulletproof coffee because mm-hmm. they're used to having milk in their coffee and it's just the the substitute that they can think of. But right. recently I've I've um, I've found that drinking black coffee is really awesome, <laughs> but you have to have the right kind of coffee. That and is so true. go down to your local coffee shop and say, what would you recommend for a long black? What would you recommend for having coffee without milk? Um, and they can generally give you a pretty good recommendation. But, yeah, yeah good for a idea. long time I was like, oh, black coffee, it's just like way too intense. But in fact, <laughs> it's just the coffee that's usually watered down with milk that is way too intense. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, you, I, I'm guessing your favorite type of exercise is running. Uh, am I wrong in saying that? No, I, I would have to say it's running. It's my, it's, it's weird to say, but it's sort of become my comfort zone, so... Oh, that's that's pretty cool. That's that's usually what people hate. <laughs> Is there any particular exercise that you don't enjoy? Um, I, I'm not. A, I've tried spinning a couple times and it never quite grabbed me. So I would say mm. that's probably my least favorite that I've tried. Yeah, no, it doesn't always grab people either. Um, I think it's you know it's it exercise is quite often a, a preference of individual perspective and so to to say that something's wrong <laughs> would be <laughs> it's so bad but yeah it just happens to be that running is always in that in that category for a lot of people right so, um uh and so outside of prescription medication do you take anything uh any type of supplements anything like that that you feel helps you with the ketogenic diet or do you usually just try and get that from food um i take magnesium um for electrolytes and then um, I also do like light salt to get my um, yep. potassium in. Um, I, that's definitely, especially working out a lot. I feel like I definitely have to continue to actively supplement electrolytes on keto. Mm. Um, and I think that's a big downfall for a lot of people when they're starting is because they feel like, oh, keto is making them feel sick or fatigued or whatever. And it's really just that, you know, we, you do need the extra electrolytes when you're on low carb like that. So I think that's really important. Yeah, it is something that uh, I feel like it. it's like the second hurdle to get over. The first hurdle is eating enough fat. <laughs> the second hurdle is having enough salt. For sure. <laughs> and, um, and, and there's been a big scare about salt for a long time. But in actual fact, when you reduce the amount of glycogen that you have on your body so you stop eating carbohydrates, you need something to hold the water so that you don't just feel like an empty skeleton Um, and salt will definitely help with that especially athletes because when you're running and you're sweating you're losing so many so much electrolytes and you're also using a lot of magnesium to access the energy from your cells um, to create atp and so by supplementing with magnesium also helps with cramps and sleeping and and the the tip the typical magnesium deficiencies like having a twitchy eye or like a bouncy leg underneath the table mm-hmm. if you see anyone with that it's like <laughs> i think you need some magnesium right hand him a pill <laughs> yeah that's right um and uh and so um i'm trying to think of the other questions that i usually ask <laughs> this is really embarrassing um there what 
what tips would you give to someone who is just starting the ketogenic diet um, and then what tips would you also give them to help them sustain that ketogenic diet to reach their goals um i think for starting out i always say don't cheat (laughs) at least give yourself like four weeks where you're you're not gonna um go off plan because i think it's so important in the beginning to sort of convince your body and your mind as well that this is kind of your new normal and this is the food that you're going to be eating and if you're you know every weekend grabbing a few french fries or having some ice cream because it's not that big of a deal then your body's never going to kind of adapt to this new fuel source and this new way of eating um and your mind is also never going to let go of those cravings because it's it keeps getting reminded about them it's like if you smoked a cigarette every week or so when you're trying to quit smoking that's not going to be very helpful Um, So I think it's just really important, like commit at least to four weeks of um, eating strictly on plan and then see how you feel. And I think um, that really made a big difference for me is that it sort of made my body forget about those other foods and focus on the foods that I can eat that are really good and really enjoyable. Mm, mm, Yeah, that's that's great advice. And I think the four week time frame is really important because chances are you might feel pretty average after the first week and go just throw in the towel. Right. Um, and so having that, that time frame is, is going to be a, yeah, a, a really important goal to, to be able to see whether it's going to work for you or not. And I like to do this thing where I give $50 to a friend and say, hey, I'm trying to do this. If I don't do it, you can have the $50. But if I do do it, can you please give it back? <laughs> please. Smart. And yeah, and, and, and uh, it's sort of like that loss aversion. You're so much um, more likely to work for something if you're going to lose it than if you're going to gain $50. So, Definitely. Um, I like that. You know, even getting a, a, a partner to do keto with you or getting a buddy from on Instagram, um, that that's also a, an option. And that's probably a good segue into where people can find you and where people can get in contact with you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at this is keto life. Um, and I try to post, um, most of what I eat on there so that people can, you know, get ideas about what they can eat and all the great foods that we can make on keto. And, um, and I'm always happy to answer questions or anything. So you can always feel free to DM me and I'm always happy to help. Oh, that's really awesome. Well, it's been so great talking to you today, Emily. I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sort of um, dissecting what you've done to have so much success with the ketogenic diet. And uh, and I hope people who have who've listened to this podcast have really got a lot of information out of that. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you and, and uh, I'm sure I'll be speaking with you soon. Thank you. I love talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.